Yo fam, Coach Sam, Strong Gents Coaching, back with another episode for you guys. And on tonight's episode, we got Coach Tom in the building. We're going to go over a few things. He's retiring soon. Uh, we're also going to touch upon how challenging the body physically can also prepare the mind for the challenges of life. Uh, but before we begin, if you guys could please leave a review for this podcast if you haven't already. I'm trying to grow this podcast and reach as many men as possible, and I need your help. It takes a tribe, men. So please leave a review if you haven't already, and share this episode or any other episode with at least two friends. All right, so we're going to get into it. What's up, Tom? What's happening, Sam? My man, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just got back from golf. Um, great, beautiful day with the boys. Absolutely love it every time. Nice. I just got done watching the Honda Classic. You, you missed the, you know, uh, um, the uh, sudden death on the, eight, you know, on one hole. It was pretty good. It was fun to watch. Well, I can promise you, we were not playing as good as those guys. This I know to be true. Um, yes. We played well, pretty good, though. I mean, I played better than yesterday. I played two days in a row. I played better than yesterday, that's for sure. Yeah. Good for you, man. Good for you. Yesterday, I will say this on here as a, as a record. Um, I did get an eagle on no, no five, and it was with the putter out of a sand trap. And that is real. Cody was you, you used your putter in the sand trap? I used my putter out of the sand trap. There's a nice little lip. There's a little lip, and I just hit the ball. Oh, I screw it. Trap, it wasn't really deep. It was kind of more on the level. No, I mean, it was basically on the ground, basically. But right, right. Still popped it in the hole. Uh-huh. Good. So Good for you. Happened. That's the one shot that keeps you coming back to golf is the one shot. you get. One I never shot. had an eagle, I don't think, so congratulations. That's my third. Impressed, impressed. Basically a PGA Tour pro. I think I beat Dan. I think Dan, I know you're listening to this. I think I have more eagles than you for sure. <laughs> Just threw down the gauntlet. Because Dan's eagles, Dan's eagles probably came from a mulligan. <laughs> so oh, those oh, fight words. Oh man. You're slandering Dan. You know, he has he's not here to defend himself. No, nah, he didn't play this weekend because he's locked up. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh all right, we're gonna get into it. Dan, sorry, bud. Love you. Um, so what's going on with you? All right. So I'm glad to be back here and I wanted to say a few things. And, you know, what Sam had said in the beginning that, yes, I'm retiring, but not in, in the, the, the sense of the word that most people, um, you know, acknowledge, you know, I'm not retiring and going off into the sunset and, you know, laying on the beach every day and, and it's just growing old. I mean, that's nice to lay on the beach a little bit, but um, I am able to retire from my job in education, It'll be 26 years. Uh, so I'm able to take my pension, okay, um, immediately upon the end of this year. Um, and so then I can go off and do something else, which I'm really excited for, okay? And, you know, with my impending, um, or pending, I should say, uh, retirement, it's brought up a lot of memories of, of some of the things I had to go through over the course of my career, you know, um, definitely some downs where I had to keep my head screwed on straight um, and keep my eye on the prize. And um, how I really leaned on in really rough times, you know, some of the physical challenges that I had 
you know, that I had completed over the course of my life. Okay. And, you know, and saying, listen, uh, you know, I put myself in tough situations before I didn't back out then I'm not going to back out now. You know, I didn't get nervous then I had doubts. Yeah. You always have doubts when you do physical challenges, but I finished. So yeah, I had doubts in certain times of my career, you know, but I can finish this too. You know, so let me tell you how I started to get this thought. So last week, um, I was running uh, some big hills in Homedale uh, for the first time. So I was running a long run, 12-mile run, and it had some pretty big hills on it, you know. And um, as you know, Sam, I ran the Empire State run-up on October 6, 2022. And that was 86 floors straight up, um, you know, and I did it in 17 minutes, 17 and a half minutes, okay. And um, that was quite a challenge, you know, and – so I'm running uh, uh, last week and I'm hitting these hills and I'm like, hey, I've always been a good hill runner. But, you know, in general, kind of hills suck. You know what I mean? And you can't wait to get to the end, to the top and get it over with uh, to, you know, calm your breath down a little bit or sometimes you speed up just to get it over with. Uh, but it struck me that, hey, you know, yeah, this is a long hill, but it's going to end real soon. Like in October, I, I ran straight up in the air for 17 and a half minutes. I can handle this hill. It'll be over in two minutes. You know, it'll be over in three minutes, you know? And so it, that's, that really worked, you know, that reframing. Okay. Looking at that situation, that stress producing, or at least physically uh, stress producing situation and mentally as well, running hills helped me. And so from there, I kind of springboarded into reflecting on some of the issues, you know, some of the downs, as I told you in my career and uh, how I really leaned on physical challenges. Okay. To help get me through. Okay. And give me confidence that I could do that, you know? And, and so this very job that I'm retiring from, okay. Uh, I've had it for 13 years and 13 years ago, you know, was the second time that I was laid off in my career uh, from a full-time job, you know, and, um, it was devastating. I had been with that school for 12 years and I thought I was going to retire from that school. I had almost halfway through in the paying into the pension system. And, um, you know, it wasn't a good time. My life was going through a divorce, but we were still together in the house. We had a lot of bills because not only do we have our main house, we are, we are maintaining a town home as well. OK. And so the rug was kind of pulled out from underneath me, you know, um, and uh, I had to scramble. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was all, I already had a part time job that I was working and that was good. And I was able to get a couple out more hours there. And I was coaching football as well. So I couldn't, you know, let the team down. So I had to coach football, too. But I remember I'm like, listen, this is I have kids that are of age that they're going to remember. Like you and Abby were in your teenage years. And I was like, you know, the dad just got laid off and I got to handle this, you know, like this happens in your life and I got to handle this. And so I made a plan, you know, and and I just remembered that, you know, that the marathons that I had run. OK. And, you know, and back in my football playing days when when practices were so much more tough than they were now with double sessions and in 90 degree heat, like when double sessions were like three hours out in the heat take a break and then three hours again. And back then there wasn't a lot of focus on player safety and stuff like that and watering them down a lot. 
And that was extremely tough experience that I went through for three straight years as a sophomore, junior and senior. Okay. So, um, I knew I was tough and I had to do some, I had to make some decisions. So as the new school year, I was laid off in June. And as the new school year approached, I did not have another school job yet. And I'm like, listen, I'm telling myself I have to get back into a school job so I can get back in that pension. Okay. And so, but I needed a job. So I decided to take, and thank God I, I got a job at a hospital at Paul Kimball Medical, Medical Center in Lakewood the overnight shift as a crisis screener in their crisis unit. Okay. I was licensed for that and I could do that job. That was three 12 hour shifts a week, 7 PM to 7 AM. Okay. And that was added to three part-time overnight shifts a week, 12 AM to 8 AM. So I was working five overnights a week, um, still working my part-time job, and still coaching football, you know, and it was extremely tough. And I continued to interview. Okay. And I remember, you know, Paul Kimball was about 25 minutes from freehold, you know, and when I got off, you know, I didn't want to drink coffee, you know, because I wanted to see if I could sleep when I got home. So the struggle was trying to keep myself awake without a cup of coffee. And there were times when on that short drive home, I had to pull into a parking lot, close my eyes just for a few minutes, you know, and I'm like, damn, like this sucks, you know, but I was like, you can do this. Like, you, you know, you, you can do this. You've, you've been here before, man. Like you've been on the 24th mile before the 25th mile before when you had nothing left, you have nothing left now, but keep going, you know? And so I, I, my strategy worked, my plan worked, you know, I took that overnight job so I could interview during the day. All right. Because if I took a day job out of the school, there's no way I would get off for a new job to go do interviews. So a couple of months later, this job I presently have popped up. I was tired, but I went to the interview. I knocked it out of the park and they hired me. They needed my position really, really bad. And I was really, really experienced. And it's been a it's been a happy 13 years. And I will say that, you know, that. Looking back, it was so disastrous for me, but I'm happy that it happened because my life changed and I met so much, many more good people. And it put me in a high school setting where I think my skills at the time were necessary. You know, right after I, I started Milltown South, the state of New Jersey, um, you know, enacted the most strict anti-bullying laws for schools in the country. And so that was my thing, anti-bullying. And I was right there. You know, and and uh, it's been a heck of a 13 years. And I think that the experience that I gained is probably going to help me. OK, in my post retirement, if you will. Um, and uh, it, with consulting and counseling and things of that nature, you know, but um, that was the second time that I got laid off. And the first time I had to lean on my past experiences as well, you know, and I can get into that with with you as well. But I just wanted to I was very, you know, um, you know, excited, you know, last week when I thought about this analogy of the of the Empire State run up and wanting to share that with people, you know, like I just think physical challenges pay off. They are the gift you give to yourself that keeps on giving forever, forever. You know, um, those that that decision I made to play football back then to try to be somebody and 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 going through those double sessions, those that that's still 
paying benefits. Those marathons are still paying benefits, you know, and they're going to until my last day on this earth. Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a story. I mean, most people nowadays complain about having to work in office two days a week um, for a, a job that's on their couch. Uh, I don't think people understand how tough life can really be sometimes until they're in it. And I believe right now many people um, are mentally weaker than they were in the past and uh, they fold. And I wanted to ask you, you know, why do you think people nowadays are mentally prone to breaking down way sooner than they used to be? I see it all the time. I think, you know, honestly, you know, I work in a school and, you know, obviously I work with parents and I just think we have a very pervasive parenting problem, you know, and, and, and listen, I don't want to fault parents because they're concerned, you know what I mean? Like the, the suicide rate is the highest among the 15 to 24 year old, well, even earlier, the 13 to 24 year age group that it's been ever in the last couple of years and parents are concerned and they're worried. So, you know, sometimes they don't know what to do and they hover over their kid and they try to rescue them, you know, from everything that they can rescue them from, you know, and, you know, that turns out not to be a good thing. Although in some situations, I certainly can empathize with them having been a parent and sometimes not knowing what to do. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a pervasive parenting problem, you know, that, you know, parents, you know, have to, you know, they, they can't look to rescue or save their kid all the time. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, you know, because you don't want your kid to be soft, you know, life is hard, you know, and, 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 you know, and so that's one issue, but the other issue is that I don't think that there's a lot of people that don't get out there, you know, and challenge themselves with things. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I know when, when I challenged myself back then, it was like, cause I, I just wanted to be somebody, you know, like I wasn't this major, I was athletic, but I wasn't this major athlete or anything like that. I was a nobody, you know, and I wanted to be someone and I wanted to be somebody so bad that I pushed myself so hard. You know, I used to run around my high school track all by myself with, with ankle weights back then. It was kind of stupid. <laughs> Listening to Rocky music. Okay. On a Walkman, you know, the wire, you know, it's this old shit. Um, and, and I used to go around and I used to imagine my name coming out of the loudspeakers, you know, I would hear it, you know, and I would say, you know, just keep working, just keep working, just keep working, you know, and I do my push-ups and my sit-ups every night, you know, before I went to bed, you know, even if I had worked out that day, uh, you know, and it was these rituals, you know, that you do and you keep grasping and keep climbing, you know, and, um, you know, and I think that, you know, it, it's kind of hard sometimes when people have money, you know, um, when they're raising kids, you know, uh, if they want to try to give them every convenience and make their life easy. And, um, you know, and I think sometimes that backfires, but I know it's hard. I'm not saying I'm not blaming parents. It's a it's it's not an easy thing to navigate, you know, but but parents have to help. You know, parents have have to help, you know. Yeah, I think. Uh, there's definitely, I, I train some younger kids, you know, and so I work with their parents as well. And uh, I, I do think parents nowadays, which is, I, may, I don't know, you can attest to this or not, but I think they see their kid as them and not a separate entity. And they are trying to make them a, a 
model of themselves and prevent them, which I understand from maybe doing mistakes they did, so on and so forth. But by doing that, by trying to force them to live a life under their terms all the time, I understand until someone's, you know, 17, 19 years old, I get that. But I'm seeing this until kids are in their 20s to late 20s, where their parents are still guiding every decision that they make. They still have to check in with mom and dad at the age of 26. Um, I think that is holding people back like this failure to launch people forward to like oh no it's okay like you can live with me until you're 40 type of thing and i think that's i think yeah. that that's bad i see it a lot um but also i i mean there's a core there is a correlation i had this i did a podcast yesterday myself and it was about uh suffering and um and getting over your suffering right and there's a good line from victor frankel and he says, suffering ceases to be suffering as soon as there is a meaning attached to it, right? And um, that's where I try and relate to the physical fitness. Like you are, when you embark on your fitness journey, okay, it's, it's people assume right away that it's going to be fun and easy and it's going to make them feel good. But you don't get that until you're done working out. The working out is a challenge, okay? The working out can be fun, but it's still a challenge. And in today's world, when there are no real challenges in life for a lot of people, there's just not. We live a comfortable life. You know, Every even the temperature everywhere you go is perfect, you know, because you go from your house to your car to the work setting. Like, you don't have to worry about temperature. You don't have to worry about food, most people. Um, you don't have to worry about shelter for most people. A small percentage do, but a lot don't. So it's very comfortable. And so we don't have a lot of real challenges. And I think one of the only ways for people to produce real challenges in life currently is through physical activity, which most people aren't doing which is especially kids. I think, I think kids are not, I don't see kids outside playing ball anymore. I don't see rec sports as much as I used to. Um, a lot of the kids that I work with are not enrolled in any rec sports. So I think we're missing the, uh, the physical challenges here, but we can impose those challenges through physical activity in the form of working out and purposely make ourselves suffer because in the end, we're going to become a better person. So you're attaching meaning to the suffering you're imposing on yourself because you're going to be a healthier, stronger version of yourself afterwards. Um, but most people don't understand that dynamic. No, and, then, and you're going to feel better too. Like I forwarded you a study, you probably get a chance to read it, but it's a new study uh, of 12 weeks. And, and it came out and said that 12 weeks of a regular exercise program are better than medication for, you know, brief, for, for brief periods of, you know, depression, anxiety, and stress, you know, and I know that when I've gone through rough, you know, whether that's relationship breakups or losing jobs or problems, you know, being a dad or something like that, like, I know that my regular ex exercise program, you know, um, helped me. And I do know that, like, um, like it, it, with uh, some relationship breakups where I just felt like lost, I know that my routine, that was something that I always did, that was rote, you know what I mean? Like, I always did it. So, you know, even though I was moping around or, or maybe depressed in other areas, you know, I kept that going, which was a, like, it was great. It was like a lifeline for me, you know, and I couldn't imagine like, what if I didn't have that? You know, what if I didn't have that routine where, you know, uh, you know, I'm so used to doing it, I'm going to keep doing it no matter how I'm feeling, you know. So um, it, it is so very important. And, and, you know, people just don't understand that, you know, you don't have to run marathons, you know, to have a decent fitness program that are going to pay benefits, you know, like you just don't have to, you know, and and they just have to get over the original, the, the initial type of discomfort, you know, and uh you know, until their body gets used to it and then they're off, they're off making gains and they're off feeling good. And, 
you know, and um, it's just, I just think it goes hand in hand. I've told you before on other podcasts, my mental health goes as my physical health goes, you know, um, I, I, I just know my life would have gone in a different direction if I wasn't as physically fit as I am and have been, you know, I've only not been physically fit in my life, you know, for maybe three times, you know, they were all due to back injuries. Okay. All three times where I wasn't able to work out for a while. Um, you know, I lost some fitness and, you know, until I could get back to it. But other than those three times, I'm going to, I'm going to be 60 years old in August. And, um, I can't tell people that how much I do not feel 60, you know, and, you know, pain is pain, you know, arthritis is arthritis, you know, uh, you know, you warm up, you just, you get past it. It's fine. But you just have no idea. Like there's people my age that are, I mean, I just feel so bad for them because they didn't make the decisions that I did and they didn't keep at it. And they're, they're, they're going through a rough period now physically. You know, well, it's pretty cool though. And the research does support this is that it really doesn't matter what age you're starting. Obviously if you start earlier, the better, but, um, you get similar benefits if you start at 60 years old, uh, if you started at 30 years old in terms of how your body responds. So for example, I have a lot of clients who are older than 60, 60 plus years old, uh, with, um, you know, type two diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, you know, high percentage of body fat. And after, you know, two years of consistent training, at least two days a week, slight diet modifications, they are off their type two diabetes medication. They are off their high cholesterol medication. They are off their blood pressure medication. And uh, a lot of people are like, no way, that's crazy. Now, some people remain on some of these medications just as a precautionary, you know, by the guidance of the doctor, it is what it is, but they don't actually need them. They don't rely on them anymore because they become a more resilient, optimal human being through physical training. So physical training literally alters the cellular activity in your body um, to a great extent. And to go back to your uh, little talk there on the mental health side of things, um, I had this theory a while ago when uh, I was probably 23 years old, 23, when I was working at the counseling center part-time. Um, I had already studied the body physically in depth, like I continue to do to this day. So I knew a lot about the body, the functions of the body, how it worked. And and um, I was diving more so into the mind and the function of minds when I was working at the counseling center, uh, really digesting a few textbooks and some good reads. And everybody at the counseling center that I worked at, you know, the front desk, I would see everybody, um, anybody who came in with a mild or moderate mental disorder, right? Whether it was depression, anxiety, um, ADHD, so on and so forth. Most of them, I would say 85 to 90% of them were also physically unhealthy. So there was a correlation. I made the correlation in my brain. And just because of my trainer mind at the time, um, I really can like, and I dove deep into this, like consider the fact that maybe a lot of these mild to moderate um, cases we're seeing of anxiety, depression, so on and so forth, are actually not neurologically in the brain. It's not necessarily a chemical imbalance as much as people say it is, as it is a metabolic disease of the brain. And because there's metabolic diseases of the body, like for example, there's type two diabetes that you can get, which is hypertension, these metabolic diseases. Um, and I believe that with lack of physical activity, bad diet that it could have led to a metabolic symptoms in the brain. And it just happens that recently a Harvard psychiatrist came out with the fact that he is pursuing five trials on metabolic diseases, quotation of the brain and how a bad diet 
um, and bad healthy lifestyle will lead to mild to moderate forms of mental disorders. And it's crazy. I'm not the only one who's had this this thought. Right. I found well, this book. So people have been on this for a long time. So it, it's important to mention there that if that's the case, that that means that people who fall into that category are more more vulnerable to or more sensitive to stressors that happen in their life. And so they're more likely, okay, to fall into that anxiety, depression, whatever, you know, um, and it affect or interfere with their daily functioning because of what that psychiatrist was saying. There were metabolic changes um, that now make them more vulnerable to it. Yeah, absolutely. And the power of exercise, like you had stated that you read that previous study, had the same effect as those medications, if not greater, okay, goes to show, in my mind, that if you are in a state of peak physical condition, that itself is a medication for the brain, for mental health. So I think a lot of people end up, I've had had this talk earlier on my Instagram story yesterday about personal responsibility and not dishing it off to other people. And I think like you were saying with the parents, parents are taking responsibility from kids. I think people are are dishing off responsibility onto other people, blaming other people. So they don't have to take responsibility for themselves, whether that be their health, mental health, whatever. And so a lot of people will just go to the doctor to get a prescription because they don't want to be responsible for their own health. Okay, and I think there's this weird conundrum right now where people don't understand that they actually do have control of these things. And and now, of course, there is an exclusion of people who have real hardcore problems, right? Right. But that's a smaller percentage. And you can generally people don't try other things first. They're less likely to try other things first before they go to a doctor and stuff. They're less likely to say, hey, let me get in a little bit better shape. Let me eat a little better. Let me try to get better sleep. Maybe I'll start feeling a little bit better, even though I'm going through a rough time, you know? So, um, yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think people think that way. You know, we're, well, listen, we're a fix it. You know, we're immediate gratification society. Like we, we want what we want. We want it right now. And we're less willing to put some time in. Okay. With, uh, you know, with these strategies to feel better, you know, in a more natural way, you know, we want a quick fix. It, we are, we are the pill taking, you know, uh, society. It's, it's pretty wild. I'm trying my best as in my field to help people realize that they do have control. Of these things. A lot of things in life are out of our control, but there is a small percentage and that's how much we eat, when we eat it, what we eat, how much we exercise, how we exercise and our attitude towards those things and every other thing in life. Um, but going back just a little bit, I do want to touch upon just building mental resilience. Okay. Now we're talking about through physical challenges, uh, which works hundred percent of the time. Anybody I have ever trained over a decade who has engaged in strength training or any other training for that matter and has seen a positive benefit, they feel better. They have more confidence, more motivation, more drive. They hold themselves in a different standard, in a different light, and it impacts their life greatly. I've had people who who lost 50 pounds, gained a little bit of muscle, quit their job, went for a better interview, got a better job. Like, it really works, okay? But is there other strategies to also increase mental fortitude besides physical activity? Like, do you have any other things in your life that you can think of Maybe it was a book you read. Maybe it was a mentor. Maybe it was just an experience. Maybe it was just a realization that helped you continue this 
this brick by brick layer of mental strength? Well, I, I think that, you know, yeah, there, there were books and stuff and I happened to, you know, get into grad school to be a counselor. And there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Zen. There was, you know, that my, my professor, one of my professors was a lot into like um, Zen Buddhism or using those parables, you know, and there were some really, really good parables that would make you think, you know, but uh, you know, the thing is, I think that so many people, um, you know, it's, it's really trying learning how to identify your negative thinking, you know, and, and, and how, you know, when, like example, I can't do that. Okay. So, you know, when someone uses the word can't, it's a definite, it closes a door. Okay. And then, you know, instead of saying can't, it's kind of like, well, no, it's not that I can't, it's that I won't. So, uh, you know, so I just won't do it. And so why is it that I won't, you know, and then there's, there's just distorted ways of, of thinking, you know, like, um, you know, like, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is how it's always going to be. Um, I'm never going to be able to change, you know, um, things like that. And it, you know, some people really can benefit from talking to a counselor if they don't have some really good friends or a couple of mentors at work that they can talk to, you know, um, you know, open up to about what they're thinking about themselves and their situation. So you can get some feedback, you know, and say, dude, like, come on, man, it's not that you can't do it like you got two legs two arms you know it's that you won't do it it's like a it's like someone that has a long weight loss journey ahead of them maybe they're 310 pounds 320 pounds and they want to lose 120 pounds and get to 200 like i can't do it i can't do it it's like no you can you just won't you won't because you, you don't like what the journey thinks like you think the journey is going to be too long too painful okay um but it, that's the beginning it's kind of like focusing on your thoughts and trying to clean house with your negative thinking you know that's the first step it's definitely true you know what you're saying the concept i had re uh, recorded a video or a podcast about that actually where um anybody who says comes into my office and they say you know i can't give that up i have to have that after dinner or I need this in order to stay sane. You already lost the battle. You already lost the battle. That means that you are not willing to do what is necessary to achieve the goal. And sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do in order to get to that end result. Uh, and I think by doing things you don't necessarily want to do all the time is another way to build mental fortitude, right? For example, I'll give you an example. You know, in my early 20s, I struggled with more of a victim mentality, um, mostly because of my health thing going on at the time before getting diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and going from doctor to doctor. Didn't know what was going on. And I would always ask, I'd look up to the sky and be like, why me? Like, why me? Why me? Everything was why, everything that happened to me was why me? And I acted like a victim. Uh, a short couple of years. So, I mean, I still did what I had to do in those years, but a short couple of years. But then I came to this realization. I was getting frustrated with myself. And I said, Sam, stop looking for help from other people. Because I wasn't getting it. I was going to the best doctors in the world, and they were not helping. Nobody was helping. I felt isolated. And I said, Sam, stop looking outside yourself for the answers. You've read hundreds and hundreds of books. Dude, how many books did, uh, did I read when we were living together? Hundreds. Hundreds of books. I was like, the answer is no longer outside yourself. Okay? So I sat there in the room in uh, uh, wherever we were, the Highlands. And I said, you know what, Sam? It's time, buddy. It's time to accept the challenge of life. 
So now it's no longer, why me? Why did this happen to me? It is now, how much can you put on my shoulders and I'll still succeed? So it's a switch in the mindset. It's a reframe. I no longer see things as as like a, a victim. I no longer I see things as a a battle tested driven warrior who will not stop. And that's just how I think. Also, because I have done some pretty crazy physical challenges, which has also helped me become confident in the man I am today. Like running ultra marathons, setting powerlifting records, doing crazy physical feats that most people will never do in their entire lifetime. Um, but aside from that, the mental reframe of challenging my own inner person has given me the drive, the motivation, and the mental fortitude to not fold under circumstances that most people would fold under. So I think if most more people could just say this, I accept the challenge of life and frame it from that perspective, I think people would benefit from that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they would. And I, and I go back to, you know, something my high school football coach used to say, you know, so when we were, if we were practicing lackadaisical, you know, and he noticed it, he'd stop practice. And he said, you know, I'm not here for me, you know, like, I, you know, my wife doesn't want me to do this. Like, I make nothing here. He goes, I am here for you. You know, he says, I can, I just as soon go fishing, you know. That's what he said. I just assume go fishing. He look at the other coaches. You guys want to go fishing? They're like, yeah, coach. You know, fishing sounds good. So if you guys don't pick it up, you know what? Maybe we'll just go fishing. I'm not here for me. You know? And so we would look at ourselves and say, hey, listen, we really do want to be good. And then we kick each other in the ass and say, pick it up. And those were the, the mind games that he was playing with us, you know? And that was it was good stuff. I think that's a big difference back then than it is today. People people nowadays be like, oh, you need a break? You need a break? Go get some water. Go get some water. It's okay. You can have a break. Um, yeah, this is what my high school football coach used to do. When we were running sprints, okay, you know, he would he would have his watch and he would come up and take our pulse. And he used to say, the watch doesn't lie, fellas. He goes, you could be huffing and puffing, okay, and moving your body, but if you're dogging it, the, the watch doesn't lie. And he would come up and take our pulse, you know, and he, and he said, you got to pick it up. That's you badass. Know? That's a badass coach right there. He was a great guy. We loved him, but he was like, you know, he's waiting. He's going, okay. You know, it was, we loved him. And I also think uh, uh, you could, you could touch upon this too. I think another thing nowadays, uh, maybe just forever, but just something I noticed is people assume they cannot change. I really think that like people assume they cannot change. You can change who you are and what you do on the dime. On a I'm going to tell you why. Vision. I'll, I'll tell you why. Do you want the answer to that? I think the world wants the answer to that one. Well, it's, it's rather simple. Okay. Because, you know, change. Okay. Even if it's good change is stressful. Okay. And a lot of people, it's uncomfortable. And many, many people, prefer the discomfort of their present situation other than the unknown discomfort. Okay. And so they're unlikely to take risks because of that, because you have to acknowledge that, Hey, you know, like this change is going to make me uncomfortable. It's going to be stressful. Like when I lost my job, I was forced to be uncomfortable. Was I uncomfortable? You goddamn right. I was uncomfortable. Was I 
Hold on. Hold on. We lost. Can you hear me? Shake your head yes or no. All right. We lost your mic. See if your mic's working or not. It's. Do you hear me? There we go. There we go. You hit something. No, nah, I didn't. Oh, well, it's Wait a bit my Wi-Fi or something. Um, but yeah, that's so to shout out Sheldon B. Cop. He's my favorite author, one of my favorite minds. You know, he says some people prefer the misery of known security over yes, yes over the um over the insecurity of unknown misery. So you prefer and the, the example he used in a couple of his books was domestic violence. Like some women, you know, well he would he would use men and women. So any woman who is domestically violent, you know, some of them choose to stay with the person and his reasoning or his thought process. And I think it's been well stated is that they pref they're comfortable in that living hell and they're supported in that living hell, even though it's a hell. So they'd rather stay there than have to figure it out on their own. And that's unfortunate, but that's an extreme example yeah. of what we're talking about here, where some people prefer living in their misery because like you said, they are afraid of the unknown and what's out there. They don't understand. They don't know. And, and because you have to accept that the unknown and taking risks are also uncomfortable. Okay. Um, good changes are, are stress. Okay. They bring stress as well. And you have to accept that, you know, um, I'm facing this retirement. It's like one of the first times in my life, like I'm taking the risk and I feel great about it. I mean, I I've, I've have, I have avoided risk in my life, okay, because of feelings of discomfort, okay, um, a number of occasions, you know, but with retirement, you know, um, uh, you know, listen, it's the unknown, and uh, I feel good about it. Um, people, a lot of people, I, I could work for a very long time at my present job. There's a lot of people that are sad to see me go, and I'm not burned out or anything, um, you know, but um, you know, um, I'm like, you know what? I want to make something happen. I, I want to see what this change brings me. I want to welcome it with open arms. You know, something maybe I haven't done a large portion of my life. It feels yeah, good. You're going through a season, you know, life is life happens. The seasons of death and rebirth. That was a long season for you. Uh, a lot of people struggle with that. When change happens in life, they do get depressed, at least from what I see in my personal training. When I talking to someone and something happens and their life changes course, they get depressed. And, you know, a lot of people struggle with that. But I think if you can see it in seasons, you know, and accept that this is a new way of living, I think it makes it easier. But you're also in a good position where um, you're going to get a ton of other work that you want to do. And it's going to be gravy. You're going to have, you know, a fantastic time. Uh, we only got one minute left. Um, but just also on that, like, fear thing, you know, a lot of people you hear, like, face your fears, right? Like, oh, like, go face your fears, right? I don't necessarily think that's the right attitude to have. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I think a better way to look at it is have faith in your fears that by pursuing your fears, you will become a better person because of it. And it's not even fears, you know, it's, 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 you know, even if it seems like a good choice, if it seems like a good move, don't fear it, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. It, like, for example, like I got, I just think more people would benefit from instead of trying to fight, fight it off, accept it. Like, Step up to the Reaper, shake his hand, and say, let's go, buddy. Let's see what we can fucking do. Agreed. A better, a better mindset. Um, all right, we got like 30 seconds. You got any last words before it shuts off? No, it's uh, great to have the podcast today, and um, maybe I'll do another one after my retirement or before. Good topic today. And I hope um, anyone listening, I hope it, hope it helped out. And if you want to know more, contact Sam the man, and, you know, and uh, we'll get to you. Strong Jens coaching at gmail.com. All right, gents, if you can leave a review, that'd be great.
Don't forget, the motto here is get strong and stay strong. Peace.